Thanks for tuning in to the hottest talk radio show around. Providing an open discussion for some of the most important social issues and trending topics today. From personal growth or spirituality to sex and relationships, no subject is ever taboo. So prepare to be empowered, enlightened, and entertained during another episode of the award-winning Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. Real people, real topics, real talk. Welcome to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. I am your host, Will Strayhorn. Yes. It is April 12, 2017. We are live in the studio at WODU on the beautiful campus of Old Dominion University. And I'm in the studio with my girl, Hey Rhonda. What it be like, Will? Hey, boo. <laughs> oh, how I've missed you. Yes, yes, yes. And I, we have a newcomer to the show, but he's no newcomer to the media life. We have Mr. Charles Hundley. We're going to find out about him in a little bit. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing all right yourself. Doing good, and then we have again at the at the um, at the wheel. We have Nikki Curry. How are you, Nikki? We we both are kind of under the weather. If you can't if you can't hear, um, we were at an event this weekend. Did you know you were sick? I felt it coming. You felt it? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I was. I thought I had sinuses. My mom said you have sinus issue. Come to find out, I had the flu. Um, and then I had norovirus, which mm-hmm. Rhonda said she had before. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, oh, so that was trying to kill me. Well, <laughs> you're the praying grandma? Praying grandma, yeah. <laughs> praying grandma. But that couldn't stop. We had a wonderful event at the Celebrity um, Chef Cookout. Yes, I, heard, I saw it. raised a lot of money. We raised $8,000 wow. um, at the event. And that was enough for the food bank to provide 22,800 meals. Wow. To people in this area. Way to go. Way to go. Yeah, so we're looking for, um, well, I keep saying we, but um, she's looking for the next year's charity because she's going to make it an annual event. And then on that evening, we had the WODU Awards, and our show won. We were nominated for three awards. We won two of those. We won the, the award of the evening, which is the show of the year. We won that. And then we won best talk show. There was, I think, sports show, gaming, and then radio music. And then there was talk. We won the best talk show. That was awesome. So, you know what? I'm going to talk about that a little uh, later on in our, yes, in our conversation. Yes, the good company that yes. I'm in. Yes, yes, yes. So <laughs> I was excited about that. Tell us about your week, Rodney. How's it going so far? Hump oh, day. Okay, so last week was spring break for my kids. Okay. So this You're is... You're Peninsula, right? Yeah, I'm Peninsula. Okay. So we're coming back, and it's been a very... Long, you would think it was summer break, you know, everybody's out of focus and 
doing their own thing. And like you were mentioning, um, I came back with the norovirus. I went down to North Carolina mm-hmm. to uh, NC State for my sister. That's where she graduated. And uh, we were celebrating a Greek step show and the Deltas and the Qs. They represented and they won. And um, But, you know, um, I feel like I can say this as an outsider, as a non-Greek. There was a lot of, there's like a change in the Greek culture now. What do you mean? Like, it, it's almost, um, there, there isn't that same bond, that camaraderie. You know, it's like. Between yeah. organizations or interrelations? In, inside organizations. Really? Like, we, they rep their lines more so than they in do the their letters. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah, you know, and, and so it was a little disheartening. You know, you, you go into a room and they, they call out a certain one and, yeah. and everybody goes bananas. No, not so much, you know. And um, so. We got, I say we, but I'm not a part, but uh-huh. we just got to step up and, and remind people the significance yeah. of the black, you know, Greek mm-hmm. organizations, as well as HBCUs throwing that in there, too. The yeah. significance, because when they... I think a lot of people don't even know what the purpose or the, the history, the origin they don't. of it. Yeah. You know, like um, a friend of mine, we were talking, and she said a friend of hers just crossed into um, her organization, um, or she was initiated into mm-hmm. her organization. And she was saying, she asked her, you know, when's the next, you know, chapter meeting? And she was like, um, talking about, like, well, we meet every day. She doesn't have a chapter meeting. That's something else, you know, as they were called, set. It's like, you don't even know your chapter information, but you know, you know, and so it's like something is completely being lost. And, um, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not putting down the Greek organizations at all. I'm just saying that I think it's a generation, that these millennials and, We've, we're losing a lot of our history right. and our connection with it. Because then we do get to the point where people say, why do we still need this? Why do we need a black this or a black oh, yeah. school? Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. You know, so hmm. it was interesting. It was interesting. Um, Charles, how, how's your week going? All has been well. Um, this is technically... <laughs> she's showing me a picture of myself. I hate seeing myself on camera. <laughs> um, today is actually Thursday for me. I start work on Sunday, so that's why. Um, Always been well. I've been really looking forward to coming here today, though. Good. We've been looking forward to having you. Thank you. Yes, yes. So I have some bad news. So I have been saying that the show is going to end May 3rd, which is going to be the week of my graduation. It's going to be a whole celebration week. Just got notification that the show is ending next week. Um, So they're closing the studio, I believe, on the 21st. So our last show will be next week, um, the 19th. <clears throat> which means it's going to be a lot of ticked off people because I'm booked, co-host and everything. Um, so Nikki and I are going to have to get together and figure out who we're going to switch around because I wanted you on that last show. Yeah. Um, coach and all of them. So I have to figure out what we're going to do. Coach okay. Ellis is live. Coach Ellis, yes. I need you next week. Yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need that next week. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but we'll work it out. But the last show for the season will be next week. And then shows will be resumed, again, I think, May the 15th. I don't know what day that is, but okay. we'll still be Wednesdays, but it will be after or on May the 15th, whatever that falls. Okay. Um, and then graduations. I found out my graduation is not May 6th. It's May 5th. My department graduates on May 5th. Oh, man. a small ceremony. I have a department graduation. Oh, yeah, they have those, and then, yeah. Yeah. Do, do, do we get to go to the other You still go to the big commencement, Oh, we do? Though. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was sad. Yeah. I mean, all this time, I, yeah. they locked me in some auditorium. Right. Yeah. Oh, 
Okay. I can deal with that. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Okay, so a lot of things to talk about because we're going to have a full, almost a full show. Yes. We do have a guest coming on who's going to talk to us about why HIV and AIDS, um, things that we don't know about it. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we had a couple of people and... Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, we had a, a lady that, no, a guy that wrote an article and he was saying um, if we don't change things, one in every two black men um, will end up with each other. Oh, wow. So um, that was an article that was in the Advocate magazine. Yes. Hi, Ike Owens. What's up? Yes. Everybody, thank you for tuning in. You can also go on to um, YouTube, go to WODU Live. Um, and you can chat with us live there as well. So let's go into this. So like I was saying, after winning the award, okay, this is something that I was telling the guest last week. She was talking about, um, she said her number one tip for marketing in 2017 mm-hmm. was podcasting. And I always told her that I was always kind of embarrassed to say that I podcast. Oh, wow. wow. You know, I was embarrassed because I thought it was it was inferior to Traditional radio. Oh, okay. So, so I would tell people I have radio shows. Oh, oh, what, what stations are you on? I was like, you know, it's on the internet. And I would kind of feel there like, oh, okay, so you know, I have yeah. to go on the internet to listen to it. So I had put in my mind that it was it was inferior to that. Mm-hmm. But then during the award, um, he was just giving out statistics and he was just saying like our show sometimes are in the high hundreds and thousands. Wow. People are listening to it. And I was like, oh wow. And then I heard somebody was just saying, um, I was watching something. They were like. You never know how impactful um, something that you take for granted That's right. can be. Um, and I've always heard people saying, that, you know, I listened to a show or such and such was a good guest. And I was like, oh, you listen to the show? So I had to redefine what success for was That's for right. me. That's right. Um, because I had to always equated it to you had to make money doing it. You had to make a lot of money doing it. Um, you had to have some type of title and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I spent, ever since I got the award, really appreciating what what we have. That's right. And like I said, I didn't win host of the year. There was a category for that. We won show of the year. And I think I've done well in selecting, number one, a, a PR manager. Yeah. And then guests, especially you, Rhonda, for coming on. Charles. I mean, I don't just pick anybody. Yeah. I always think about the message of the show and who I think can help me bring forward. The I know it. So I want to thank you and everybody else who has co-hosted the show. And he named it. He said that we all, I always have people come in. Um, and that was one of the reasons why we won as well. So, um, yeah. So I just want to ask you, so how do you define the success? What does success mean to you? Um, in the words of Billy D. Williams from Mahogany, success is nothing without someone by your side. No, I, you know, I think that I agree with you with success. Success is, it's great as a benefit, you know, when, with success when you get money. If you will, um, that's, that's always, always a benefit, an added benefit. But success is when you are making an impact, a positive impact. Some people don't want to be positive, but a positive impact on um, your circle of influence. And you have become somebody's credible other. To me, that's success. And it's really amazing if you can become a credible other in many different um, arenas. You know, whether it's like for me, comedy, um, uh, preaching, um, you know, parenting, mm-hmm. motivational speaking, uh, spokesperson, different things like that. 
relationships. Right. You know, and so you have to bring that in there. But you, okay. you have to. You know, you don't get played. You got to know the rules. Uh-huh. And um, the rules. The yes. rules. You know, I, I'm always quick with that. Mm-hmm. But, but I think that's what success, success is. Success is when, when you can really measure that you are having an impact and someone looks to you for that credibility and for that change. Okay. So that's what I was saying. What about you, Charles? I kind of look at success as setting a goal and accomplishing it. Yeah. Whatever it may be for the fact that sometimes your goal may not be the same as mine and it may seem insignificant to me, mm-hmm. but it doesn't matter. So long as you're happy with it, that's all that really counts. And that's, right. that's really what success is. And, you know, some people say it has to do with other people. Success is one of those things that you have to be happy with the person that you see in the mirror. That's what I consider success, being happy. Okay, so I guess I'm partially successful then, I guess. Yes, yes. Still working on what I see in the mirror, but okay. I, now, with this cold, I, I, I took advantage of not having an appetite. And this shirt is kind of flat. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So I'm that's, probably about one, one stomach flu away. That's why I fast for Lynn. No, yeah, <laughs> yeah. What do you want to talk about, Boo? Uh, well, the, I have this one huge topic that okay. I think I want, that I want to discuss. So, you know, with the recent incident with the, the young man, I say young man, but he wasn't young. The couple, they were recently married. They were married in January, and he went to her school, and he um, killed his wife and a couple of the students who were there. They died as well. Well, we can go on for days about those incidents and, and safety in schools, but what I want to know, I want to open up discussion, even if we can get some phone calls in or some hits on YouTube, what do you think about people having background checks? Remember back in the day before you got married, you had to have blood tests and all of that? Yes. Then they stopped that altogether? Right. I think people should do some type of mental health check as well as background checks. And, and, and like a, a real in-depth mental health evaluation for marriage. It's not just for dating, you know, because then it could get ridiculous. But I feel that if there was some type of strategy, then maybe... Maybe, Maybe she, she could, could have, have seen, seen it coming, no, no pun intended. Well, you know what? Okay. Again, <laughs> oh, God. keeping it real, keeping it real. Here's another, another revelation. So, okay, so you know about my breakup. Yeah. <clears throat> and look at her. Okay. <laughs> Naked, no longer ashamed. We're about to bring that theme to a close next week. <laughs> but, um, so we broke up in June 2015. I suffered. For a long time. Yes, yeah, almost two years in June. Um, and then, do you remember the movie War Room? Yes. It came out right around the time the movie um, um, with Morris Chestnut and then the black girl. Yes, I know what When the bow breaks. When the bow breaks. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. When the bow breaks. So, for some reason, we all three, me, my ex, and then a coworker went to the movies that night. Okay. Something was going on in my mind that night because my ex was dressed up. I thought that they were going out because <clears throat> my mind played tricks. So I was furious when we left. Yeah. Yeah, and I went home and the devil used me. And I was planning to do exactly what happened, what, the, what went on in that shoot. I mean, seriously planning to do that. Out of the blue, that next morning, this was a Saturday, Sunday morning, my client asked me, out of the blue, a client that I don't even hang out with called me and asked me if I want to go with her to go see. The war room. Wow. And that totally changed my life. But, I mean, I'm not the type of person that would normally do that. But yeah. when you love somebody like that and 
think you can snap. Yes. Um, I'm just glad that, you know, Lil was there yeah. for me. Yeah. It was a way of intervention. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Then we went and had that award show. Yeah. We have a comment here on Facebook Live. What did she say? Caprice Elmore. Hi, Caprice. Hey, Caprice. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I agree, but sometimes uh, the church will agree that, well, we get caught up in what looks like it's not crazy. You know, crazy can disguise itself. So what do you consider crazy? Crazy looks good sometimes. Um, yeah, crazy can be Some people like crazy. And I use the word crazy not to offend anyone in the mental health um, field, you know, so I don't want to say it in such a um, colloquial way. It's my hair. It might be because I got this Diana Ross boss going right now. So I still think I hear what you're saying, Caprice, because I've been in some situations myself where you look back and you see not just the red flags, but you see the hazards. You see the big blocks in the road that said, no, dead end. But you say, um, maybe I'm just overreacting. Well, but why do you think those signs appeared in the first place? I think, I think those, those signs appear for the warning that they that they are. Okay, uh, <clears throat> I've always said this. I, I remember a comedian saying this years ago. A a woman goes through her marriage trying to change her man into the perfect man. A guy goes through his marriage trying to change his wife back into his girlfriend. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> because you know, guys kind of sorta. We're not going to make that step unless we're happy with that person. Yeah. And if things change, then technically it's not that person any longer. It's yeah. somebody else. Yeah, no, I've heard that same thing. And I, I, I've heard it in a, in a different way, but kind of the same thing. Um, let me break it down. <laughs> you know, so it can be forever broken. Uh, that's not mine. That's Love Jones. But um, I agree. I think that a lot of women do, when they see those signs, if you will, they have this mindset of molding, this mindset of transformation, if you will. And so they say, oh, you know, but I see his better, you know. And he, that's just, this is just his past. He needs me to help pick up the pieces. And he looks at her like, yes, we've arrived, you know, and this is it, you know. And now she go around and start changing things. Now, that's a whole different aspect. I think that's growth, maturity, flexibility. And once you know... Your boo, you know yourself. Mm-hmm. Those type of things can be worked on. But then there are the things that not just from something happening that makes you snap. But there are some things, there are some baggage that needs to be checked before you get in relationships that maybe right. a background check. You know, maybe you need to know that this is extreme, but maybe you need to know that when your mate was 17 years old, they faced charges of statutory rape, you know, and while that is consensual, we know the whole nature of statutory, yeah, right. but if she was 13 and he was 17, and... No, that's going overboard. You know, and 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 then I, I'm marrying you, and I have a daughter who's maybe in that age, it might be a trigger for her. Right. Then something happens, and we're like, he never did anything, I don't understand where this came from, but a background check would at least... Give, giving you the knowledge to make that choice. Give, give me the conversation that you will have. Give me the rundown of how you approach that. I'm going to do the way person. Mary Jane does it on, my, on that show. Don't talk about Mary Jane. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
Okay, what this is what I would do. Um I really don't know. I, I mean, I think I would have to run the risk of the relationship ending and give them my background track. Because you know people sometimes mm-hmm. are more likely to give if you, you do it first. if you do it first. Uh-huh. And I say, here, here's my information. You know, mm-hmm. you can put it through um, uh, security clearance, <laughs> everything, you know. Uh-huh. But devil's advocate, just because you do it doesn't mean I want to do that, that I'm comfortable with. Yeah, you my information. This is your idea. This is your plan. You're right. But Why I, did, I do this. We didn't do well, this. I'm thinking that this is, when we're having this discussion, it's because we have reached this level of intimacy and commitment where we want to go beyond right. just dating every now and then and seeing other people. We well, want to be. Like your, this is kind of like your prenup. This is kind of like a prenup. I'm glad you mentioned pre, that. Pre-prenup. Because, you know, we ain't really got much to give away. We're going to talk about Janet later. But um, we ain't got that kind of stuff. <laughs> But right. so, even with a prenup, if you think about it, it's, hey, can you please sign this just in case we don't make it? Yeah. And if you already have that in your head before you even walk down the aisle, yeah. it might be an issue. But better safe than sorry. That's how I feel. Better safe than sorry with the background check. The prenup, you know, I think you got to take your, your lumps. No, 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 no. No, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. <laughs> it's the same thing. Yeah. Would that include um, HIV tests? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. Carla, you're on the hair. I believe we have our first caller on the air. And she is Dr. Neelam Upal, I believe. She is going to talk to us tonight why AIDS awareness still matters and what we do not know. Um, she's calling. She's a good friend of Nikki. And I'm glad that she came on the show again. We had um, a specialist, uh, actually, um, uh, published an article in the Advocate magazine, um, I believe it was in April's issue, this issue, um, that had a startling statistic about black people, black men in general. One out of two black men, um, if things don't change, will end up with the HIV virus. Mm-hmm. So we want to go ahead and welcome to the show, Dr. Neelam Yupal. Yes. Welcome to the show. Oh, oh we lost her. She'll call back. She'll call back. Oh, technology. Technology, yeah. <laughs> now, you were talking about technology earlier. You were talking about um, the podcast. And my sister and I were cutting up down in Carolina, and people were enjoying us so much. And so we decided that we are going to start a podcast. Um, and we're going to put it out there. It's probably going to be called like Two Minutes with the Twins. I think our caller is back on. Yeah, we're going to go ahead and bring her on. Welcome to the show. How are you? Welcome to the show. How are you? Um, unfortunately, this is the doctor oh my uh, God. calling in. <laughs> but what happened was I was listening to your radio station. Yes. I'm sorry. The number you have dialed has been I disconnected. I love you. We haven't and talked in such a long time. That was going to happen. has been disconnected. <laughs> I figured that was going to happen when I called in. But I just wanted to get something off my chest. You know, Rhonda is so right. Well, I don't know if we wanted to, because we do have a guest coming up at 7.30. We normally do have... You can't Go ahead. Say it. Don't worry about it, because what I was going to do next, I was coming up to the show. 
What is it? What do you have to say? This was just my prereq okay. to get on the show, because next I was coming up there. Okay, call it. Because I done sent you several seats in this fifth level. <laughs> Go ahead, sir. What did, what did Rhonda say that was so right? Well, Rhonda said it. She hit the she hit the, the nail on the head. Mm-hmm. We need to start doing blood checks. Mm-hmm. We need to start doing psychiatric checks because, because then you won't have those issues that we've been having in America. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for your time. <laughs> okay, Nikki, I'm gonna call you on your cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. I wish I had Wait. done that. Yeah. <laughs> well, y'all continue to have a good show. Thank Carla, you. we appreciate thank, all your listening. input. Yes, thank you very much, sir. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Okay. I thought that, yeah, I see. But that, <laughs> um, okay. That was Nate. Yeah, all good. Yeah, I just wasn't expecting that call. Yeah, I'm good. I'm really good. Mm, a little hot, but I'm good. Yeah. Did it's you guys want to move on to another topic, topic, or do you want to go ahead? Okay. What did you want to talk about? I know you had a couple good ones. Um, well, <laughs> it's a little out of the ordinary, but... Uh, We're out of the ordinary. See, okay. Yes. Nikki, you're really disturbing me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'm, I'm not used to seeing myself... Um, I'm a photographer for a reason. I'm behind the camera. Yeah, I'm I'm a real true introvert. So the last thing I want to see is myself, and it, it's it's distracting. <laughs> yeah. We can always look at me. Yeah, that's fine. But um, yeah, I wanted to. <laughs> You're funny. Um, fake news. Yes. You know, th- this fake news thing is is just running rampant, and you really have to do some research. Whatever story you see. Regardless of who it comes from, what source you get it from, you need to check two or three other sources. And um, you sent something out today, Rhonda, that I looked at about um, the guy out in Ferguson. It was something about the guy in Ferguson that he, uh, the cop that shot um, Mr. Brown, actually lied and said that he did. Yeah. Hello. I don't know. I said it? Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. Regardless, I saw the story. Okay. okay. And I'm like, wow, that's awfully interesting. Let me do some more research. Come to find out, the story wasn't even true. And I'm like, wow, this isn't very easy. I mean, this isn't very hard for me to just, you know, back up, you know, go and do a little background check. Yeah. Okay, I think our guest is on the call. Dr. Neelum? Yes. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Doing well, thanks for calling in, thanks for calling in. Um, So, you're an expert on HIV and AIDS, those are one of the things um, that you have expertise on, correct? Yes, uh, uh, I'm actually an infectious disease specialist, but my interest has been HIV and AIDS uh, since the very start, so uh, during my fellowship I did... uh, my basic research in HIV, and I was able to isolate in those days in the 80s the AZT-resistant HIV, which was then the only uh, medication, and I was uh, actually awarded 
first prize from American College of Physicians for that. Oh, wow. And since then, it has been my passion. Okay. So, I keep hearing HIV and AIDS used interchangeably. So, is there a difference? What's the difference between HIV and AIDS? Uh, HIV and AIDS is a major difference. HIV is just like the status where somebody has the virus. It, it doesn't mean that they're sick. Once they get sick, which is the AIDS that acquired immune deficiency syndrome. So AIDS is when they get sick with it. HIV is like a condition, like, you know, somebody has high blood pressure, diabetes. Oh, so okay. just having HIV is not a big deal these days. You, you, you give medications and they live, a, you know, a normal life like anybody else. So when you, once you get AIDS, it's fatal. Well, not these days. Even when people get AIDS these days, there is so many medications out there that we can still pull their virus and bring them back to the HIV status. And oh, so, okay. yes. So the medications uh, are very effective now. Uh, in the 80s, it was like a death sentence, mm -hmm. but. Over the years, with so much research and so many new medications, that it is very controllable. Okay. Um, good, um, good evening, uh, Dr. Paul. This is Rhonda Arrington. And good evening. How are you today? Good, good. How are you? I'm great. Glad to speak with you this evening. So, uh, as Will was getting some clarification of HIV and AIDS, I know um, a couple of people intimately who um, I would assume that it, that it, it was perhaps AIDS or it was HIV that turned to AIDS. I guess my question then is this, because I said it like that, when, it's a kind of a two-part question, when does HIV turn um, to AIDS or is it a turn to AIDS? And what you said with the medication, is the medication treating both HIV and AIDS? Are they two separate medications? No. Okay. So when somebody gets exposed to AIDS, HIV, uh, it is not a guarantee that they are get the HIV. So nowadays we have treatment where we can do what's called post-exposure prophylaxis. We can prevent them from getting that HIV. Okay, so if that didn't happen, they do get the HIV. In that stage, what they do is there is a virus going in their body. Mm -hmm. So when we check their blood and test it, we will see that they have the HIV virus. So we can, at that point, treat them with the anti-HIV medication, and we can prevent them from the progression. So okay. if that doesn't happen, at which point we have something in our immune system, it's called the T cells, and out yes. of the T cells is what we call the CD4 cells. So the HIV attaches to these cells, and that the immune cell it attacks. When it attacks and it starts eating up the cells, that's when our immunity goes down, and that's why it's called acquired immune deficiency syndrome. And that's when this, as the number keeps going down, these people get sicker, and 
if it is very low, less than 150, they'll get all what we call opportunistic infection. They're opportunistic because mm-hmm. in a normal person, these infections will not cause disease. But when your immunity is low, it's an opportunity for this infection to get in. So that's why they call it opportunistic. So that's when these people get opportunistic infections and they get full-blown AIDS and they have other you know, all these other infections with it. So at that stage where the uh, virus has attacked the immune system, it becomes AIDS. But if we treat it, now these days, we can bring the viral load really low, even when they have full-blown AIDS, and their T-cells start going back up. So then, we when we check their blood, even from the AIDS status, we will see no virus in the blood. So we can still bring them back to the HIV status, where there's actually, uh, these people are at HIV status with undetectable virus, and they lead a normal life. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you for that clarification. Um, because I know that's, a, that's confusing for a lot of people. Because we yeah. see, especially in the last 15 years, where people have um, been living longer once they've had a diagnosis, at least even the last 15 years, and you may have seen that they were sick and in and out of a hospital, but now they are living to the point where some people are even, uh, where we get the narrative that they're cured. And so just wanted to get that clarification. Thank you so much for that. Sure. Hello, doctor. This is Charles Hunley. I have a, a, a question about treatment. Uh, I remember hearing a few years ago of a gentleman in Berlin that was diagnosed with HIV, and there was some sort of uh, experimental treatment that he went through. And I can't remember if it was stem cell or not, but my, my real question is, do you find certain treatments outside the United States uh, more, um, I guess you would call it, um, helpful uh, in treating HIV or AIDS, uh, and do you think that the FDA is hampering some of uh, the experimental treatments we could be using here in the United States? Well, uh, actually, uh, I have seen the development of uh, these treatments uh, over the years. Uh, the treatment that we have in the United States, actually, I would say is one of the best in the world. We have such good medications and such good combination treatments these days that, uh, you know, we can have a combination treatment of one pill. And it's like taking a pill with breakfast, and it will totally suppress, you know, the HIV then the side effects over the years have really decreased the pill burden on these people and the interactions and uh, all the different things over the years have been so refined with the new research and uh, that the protocols are so effective. I'm not saying that the other alternative uh, treatments don't help. Yes, they do. because we don't have much in medicine for building up the immune system. And uh, so there's a lot of herbal and alternative treatments and with different countries have different, 
you know, protocols, they do help. I'm not saying it doesn't. But they should be like supplemental treatment. The basic treatment for HIV that is uh, provided by the CDC guidelines is so documented effective. I mean, and that is the thing with the FDA. You're right, there are a lot of hindrances, but the, in the end, the ones, the medications that are approved have gone through all of those trials with the FDA for their safety, for their efficacy, for their, uh, you know, adverse actions. That, that treatment really very effective. And with the new uh, uh, guidelines of what's called pre-exposure uh, treatment. So if somebody is, especially in the gay community, if somebody is going to meet with uh, HIV positive, they can actually, the person who does not have the virus can also take this pre-exposure treatment and that will prevent the transmission. And then the person who has the virus if he takes treatment where he is viral, has viral load, which is undetectable, his chance of transmission is also very low. So uh, the question whether FDA, I think FDA has actually uh, done very well for the AIDS treatment over the years. Okay. Well, I was just wondering. Thank you, doctor. Okay. Hi, this is Will again. I have actually one of the viewers sending a question, and then I have one as well. Um, so since the 80s, like you said, when it first pretty much came on the scene and people who got it, they, who, it was pretty much terminal in that situation. Mm -hmm. And nowadays it is, I guess, deemed as like a critical illness. You can live with it. And it's pretty much treated like diabetes or something like that. Um, have you noticed an increase or a decrease in new diagnosis? And then what's the new demographic of people who you're finding infected by it? Yes. yes. So, so we have all these treatments. We have so much out there. We don't have this awareness. And a lot of people don't know what's out there, how they can protect themselves, especially uh, in the southern states, especially like in Florida, they don't have sex education in school. So there's a lot more incidents in teenagers which is heartbreaking, and a lot of uh, ruler, rural United States where there is not much outreach of this education uh, for protection of HIV and, and not that much screening, that there is still uh, about one in eight people in the United States are still getting HIV. There's 40,000 new cases every year that wow. happen, even in uh, uh, all these situations in the United States. So there's still a, a, a lot of ignorance in the people, and there's still uh, not that many local agencies and uh, 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 primary uh, protocols of, of primary doctors where to early... Uh, identify and screen for HIV because it's still something uh, that is done voluntarily. 
So we still have a lot of new cases happening, and that's why I think uh, this is uh, something that we need to bring out there uh, for to make mandatory, you know, uh, testing, which we do have in certain situations and certain, uh, you know, cities and certain communities uh, to do HIV and sexually transmitted diseases, you know, as premarital and, you know, certain situations. But we still do have a lot of new cases. Mm -hmm. So of those 40,000 people that you say are diagnosed each year, do you think some of those, because the guests that um, sending the, the, the question, said because nowadays it's just deemed as something that you can live with, you no longer die from it, you know, it's treatable. Do you think people take it less seriously than they used to? Which causes for, you know, negligence and carelessness? Um, that could be a part of it, uh, but also there is uh, the stigma attached to it. Oh, okay. So I think a lot of the fear people don't want to know are disabled with it. So uh, it, it is. It is still uh, th- that is part of the uh, uh, problem in you know getting these people help and getting these people diagnosed uh, because there's still uh, overall uh, a, a lot of new incidences in the uh, uh, you know gay community and uh, and prostitution and. Uh, uh, the injection drug users uh, it has dropped over the years because of all the uh, efforts done for substance abuse uh, uh, control. But uh, the other uh, situation, especially the heterosexual transmission, has really increased over the years. Now, when, with the increase, and there are many reasons, like you said, the stigma, and it could be because the whole idea that some people have, are believing that it maybe it's not as serious because it's so treatable. Now, that what comes into play, though, because the stigma is still there, will be disclosure laws. What happens, how does that affect um, people being willing to get treated? How does that affect or maybe... What are those disclosure, like, what are they? What are the disclosure laws, and how does it affect those who have it? And relationships. And relationships, you know, because we see so often lately in the last, what, five or six years where people are able to sue and win for non-disclosure. And, you know, like, and they call it attempted murder sometimes. So how is that affecting well, that, that is uh, very much true. Because of the stigma, uh, these people, uh, a lot of people, even if they might have them, have some high-risk uh, activity, they do not get tested. And, of course, if they do not uh, get tested, and they will not get the treatment. And if they do recognize that I have them, this high-risk uh, activity, they would then even can get the uh, post-exposure prophylaxis and not even get the disease. But because of this denial, of, uh, because of the stigma, it affects the diagnosis, the prevention, the treatment. So what we need is we need this awareness, uh, motivational talk, and we need 
if we know somebody has it, we need that motivational counseling. Uh, we need more support system in the society. Uh, we need to remove the stigma of the disease. And there's other issues. You know, sometimes these people, they do get sick and they do not seek help because they're not well or they don't have health insurance. And, uh, or they have substance abuse problem or a lot of times they have underlying mental illnesses. So uh, we don't have that social support for, for these people. For all, all, especially, uh, I would say the young adults mm -hmm. who really need more awareness, more education, and we need to remove the stigma that because now it is such a treatable disease that people should take proactive action to prevent it by taking pre-exposure. If they got, uh, got exposed, take post-exposure. If not, they should feel comfortable to go to their primary doctor, get tested, get routinely tested, uh, you know, three months, six months, one year. And uh, so uh, and it's the motivation uh, of the young adults these days to, to do that, to take care of their uh, health. And, I, and thank you so much for, and I appreciate all that all the, um, the wealth of information that you have, especially as it relates to our youth and for them to, to be more aware and to be more educated. So are you saying that with the stigma that, it, that the amount of people who are disclosing that is, is not happening because of the stigma that um, the law is not a law or people just aren't disclosing that they have it if they are aware of it? Uh, well, the, the law is there, but people who have it are not disclosing it because of the stigma. Okay. So, so if there was not a stigma and somebody who is HIV positive would not have any hesitance and would honestly say, you know, like I have diabetes, I have hypertension, I have HIV. You know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be, uh, uh, there wouldn't be a resistance to that. Uh, ex explaining of the, the, the fact to the partner. Right. So, and it will, then the partner will know what he's dealing with, can get pre-exposure or post-exposure prophylaxis. So, I think uh, such talks where we can motivate the psycho psychology of the uh, young adults mm -hmm. and all adults and all teenagers to know about it, to be honest about it, it helps both of I, I agree. And, you know, there's also, I've, I read a recent statistic that um, people who are over the age of, I believe it's like 55 or 60, are now becoming a new, um, um, I guess, group, if you will, that are being infected with, uh, with STDs, but specifically um, HIV and AIDS. And, 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 and a lot of it is due to the um, insertion of, uh, of Viagra mm -hmm. and, and things like that, like give them a second time around, if you will. But, and, and so education, obviously, what you're saying, education and the significance of how important it is, is what's going to turn this thing around. Do you have any advice for those who 
have the naive idea that it's not going to happen to me because of my age group, yeah. my demographic. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, especially the older people, and they were exposed when it was not that treatable. So they actually have more of the virulent and the uh, resistant strain of viruses. So those people in uh, the elderly age group should also be motivated to go get themselves tested on their routine work, like they go get their sugar tested, their blood pressure tested. And these days there are really HIV, uh, really simple tests for screening. Uh, Department of Health, uh, most cities do it for free. So there are resources available. It's always paid by their insurance company. And if you don't have insurance, like I said, there are resources, especially the Department of Health. So I think uh, people everywhere should make it a point that, like the screen for everything else, uh, the routine that they start screening for HIV as routine, and uh, the elderly population is more resistant and mm-hmm. has more stigma, and they actually are disseminating more of this virus because either they don't know their status or they're more uh, shy or hesitant to uh, tell their partner. That's right. Uh, they might be, you know, very well socioeconomic status, and uh, I have seen, you know, really. Uh, affluent people, so it is that uh, stigma too. So it, it, it could be a lot of uh, reasons, and that's why we need to uh, give some motivational counseling uh, to these people. Okay. Dr. Nathan, this is Will again. I have two questions. One, I want you to kind of clear up um, something that's going on in my mind. So I, I heard of two people who it's a male and female who they are undetectable. I believe that's what it is. They don't, it's yeah. Not, yeah, they're undetectable. And they had a baby. And they said because they were both undetectable, it was not passed from the babies. That's possible? Uh, yes. But it's never 100%. So we, I would still recommend a protected sex. Uh, okay. But you're right. Once they're undetectable, their uh, uh, transmission uh, probability is uh, very low, yeah. Okay. And then the second one, so they, I guess technology and medical advancements gotten so good that you have the, the pill prep, like you were saying, that can prevent it from being passed to someone who doesn't have the disease. So if they've gotten that far, when are they going to release the cure? Uh, they are... So many studies out there, uh, and there is so many uh, uh, researchers working on vaccines. So they say they're like 90% close to developing a vaccine. But the vaccine but, is to keep uh, people. Those who... things are down the pipeline, but the way it is, we can control 95% of the population. So it's very close to not a cure, but of control. Like, you know, high blood pressure. You can't cure it, but you can control it. It's more like a disease, we can control it. But you're right, with the press, 
uh, a lot of people can protect themselves, like you said, for the unknown status of the other person. So mm -hmm. the other person, even if they're not revealing their status, mm -hmm. you can still protect, uh, a person can still protect themselves but by going and, you know, getting a prescription uh, for the Truvada and protecting themselves. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, Dr. Nguyen, you, you have really shared a lot of information. Yes, it's yeah. been very helpful. A lot. Yes, it has been. How can people follow you and get more information? You're located in New York? Uh, yes, uh, right now I'm concentrating more on research. So, okay. But uh, I have a website, and if somebody wants uh, to contact me, they can always contact me. Okay, what's the website? It's called uh, drupalsclinic.com. DrUPaulsClinic.com. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time and all your, your information. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Have a good night. You too. Bye. All right. Good information. Yes, it was. Very good. It was. Yeah. Good, good, good. Okay. So. Um, can, I, can we have a moment of silence? Why didn't y'all tell me about Charlie Murphy? It was on my list to tell you about him. You know? oh, oh my gosh, I, like my heart really broke just a few moments. I just looked, I'm, oh my. When to stop. I'm so serious. She I, is so extra I missed like 15 minutes of what the doctor was saying. That could have been. Because For I real, because of but, um, Charlie Murphy. Charlie Murphy. Oh I'm my. always a fan of the underdog. Oh, he was yeah. like the underdog comedian. Okay. It could be that Chipotle I ate fast, too. Yeah, it could. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> Mixed with a little bit I of I like you. <laughs> okay. Have you finished? Oh, yes. He was talking about a story. Now, we found out I wasn't the one who shared it, but I just like to say that there was about a year ago, there was a story. I don't know what it was, and I shared it. And you know me, I'm very opinionated. And I have so much to say about it. And my cousin, you know, he was nice enough to inbox me and not put it on my page. And he said... You know, you should realize that before you post stuff, make mm -hmm. sure that it's real news right. because this is an, a, a hoax website mm -hmm. where they purposely, you know, post things that aren't real. Yeah. And from that day on, I have to say, Charles, that I have fact-checked stuff. But it's so and, hard. And it is. It and is sometimes hard. it makes me hard to, it, it, I think twice before I even share something. Exactly. You know, because it's... The sensationalism of it mm. is so exciting that you instantly want to be like, what? Right. You know, and then you go ahead and send it, then you find out, man, that yeah. ain't even true. Mm. You have to, the worst thing is having to retract your story. Yes. <laughs> it's the worst thing. Especially when you're opinionated. Right. We took so, a, I had to take a course in that, and we were studying, you know, what makes things um, fake news. And like you were saying, sometimes you have to go to other sites to make sure. Right. But that's not even a good point, because sometimes people are sharing the same stories. That's right. That's right. Um, so that's not even one. Then when you see things like on AOL, you think that's a trusted site, and then they're sharing. Yeah. Um, and it always makes it believable when there's little slithers and pieces in there that are true. You say, well, I know that did happen. That's right. So maybe the rest of it happened. That's right. And that's, that's them being lazy, though. Because yeah. if you're quote-unquote trusted news source, mm -hmm. was it uh, rule number one is to have two independent sources. Mm -hmm. And if they're just... Going to a website and saying, oh, wow, that looks good. Let me go ahead and put it on AOL's website or Yahoo's website or something yeah. like that. That's just them being lazy. Yeah. That's all it is. And I feel like my time in journalism, um, yes. it was uh, 27 seconds. 
Um, <laughs> look me up. You heard about me. I'm just playing. But, you know, I worked for a, a news station around here. And, you know, people would call in with news stories mm-hmm. all the time. Just, just thinking of it in the, in the journalistic point of view from that. You know, and there was so much you had to do to check to make sure the validity right. of the story. Right. You know, and um, especially because one of the, sta- the station that I worked for, because it's a good story, I put their name out there. You know, it was uh, it was Wavy TV 10. And so, you know, people are quick to call and say, I want 10 on my side. Right. You know, but then 10 can't be on your side if you're making stuff up. That's right. You know, we can't have Andy Fox going out there, you know, harassing folk and that ain't what's really happening. Right. And, um, and then I have another friend of mine I went to college with that is an anchor with CNN. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and the stuff that he says that they have to go through to filter, and, and you automatically think, you know, it's CNN. You know, that this is almost like the gospel, you know, because it's CNN. Right. So you assume, but you have to, because everyone doesn't have journalistic, if that's a word, integrity. And I think that's what we're losing when we have this fake news we have new words like alternative facts. Right. You know, these things happen because we've... We, here's what happens if we ever have time for this show. When we began to support and overpopularize the, uh, the um, phenomenon of reality TV, when that happened... You know, I think it took over what reality actually is exactly. or the integrity of reality. Right. You know, because we started off way back in the day with just, what, real world and big, what is it, big brother, big house, what's it called? Survivor. Um, Survivor. And these things were so neat. And But then everything, it's so nice to see TV going back to just regular sitcoms and dramas, you know. But I think with the oversaturation of reality TV, and the the fame and the um, the infamy, if you will, then we began to believe that these things, because we put reality on top of it, that it doesn't that it has integrity and that it's something that we should be able to relate to. You know, people fail to realize that the vast majority of uh, reality TV is scripted. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> Which is how ironic is that? Right. Right. And so. It's, it's, it's just, it, I think if we can get back to the appreciation of the, the craft itself of journalism, then we will start seeing less of this type of stuff, and we will have more, more trust in it. The more and more social media grows, and the more and more we have citizen journalists, yeah. uh, I think it's just going to get worse. I, I, yeah, it will get worse. Yeah. It's, everyone has an agenda nowadays. There's very little... Out, a media out there that just want to report the facts. Mm. People want to put their own little spin on it. That's right. And that's what, what the problem really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, just the facts, Jeff. It's, 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 it's a um, two-sided coin mm-hmm. because you have all the opportunity, like we were just talking about with podcasts and all these, the, the sky is the limit for all of us to get out there and put our voice. Right. That's the positive, but then the spin on it is because everyone can put out their voice you think because you have the platform, people assume that the platform equals that what you're saying is authentic exactly. and that, that it, it should carry some type of weight. Right. When the reality is, you know, it's not. We have to stop even using the word reality. Well, why do you think that even, why do you think that came about? Oh my, I think it's ex- the exploitation of the First Amendment with the, the whole freedom of speech. 
I think that um, freedom of speech doesn't talk about the consequences that come with the freedom. Right, right. And so with, without dealing with the consequences that it, it has, I think it's just exploited it and it's gone so beyond and where we want to be so inclusive and allow everyone to have their voice, we're not taking the time to filter voices. I agree. Okay, so let's talk about this. Yeah. Okay, so this is my night to put my, my ex on blast. So oh. I'm on this. You have an advocate here. I'm on this, um, this group called DMV Social on Facebook. So this guy wrote a post, and, I, and it touched me. So listen to this. He says, you love each other, and you're exclusive. You already live together. You have two separate bank accounts, your own cars, and your own careers and health insurance. So why get married? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Without marriage, you can both be together as long as you both want, and if you decide that you don't want, you can simply walk away without all the complications of a divorce. So is marriage an outdated concept to you? Um, is it still needed? That's my question. Well, as I turn my wedding, my wedding ring, I have no choice but to say. <laughs> <laughs> that it's still an institute that I think stands strong. Here's the thing about marriage. I, I personally think when you ask a question about marriage, and I may get a lot of people who disagree, I think we have to ask ourselves, or I'm going to even put it that way. I can only answer marriage in the sense of spirituality. If I'm talking about spirituality, then I always believe in marriage because I believe that the way God has it set up, that there are two people that he said that he put together and that you are able to achieve whatever that thing is in his will, and he brought you together because you two needed to be together to achieve that thing. Okay? So that's where I stand on marriage. But if we're not talking spirituality... Not to play both sides of the of the table or be devil's advocate, I can understand why people don't see the benefit of marriage. See, I believe that the benefit of marriage is spiritual and is not always tangible. But if we're only looking at the covering, yeah, it's a covering, it's a covenant, and if we're not looking at marriage as that, as a covering and as a covenant, and we are only seeing tangible benefits, you know. Um, then I can understand, I disagree, but I can understand the argument why I get married, because if it's not broke, then you know, why I try to fix it. But marriage is so much more than the tangible benefits that you would receive from sharing a legal contract. Mm. I, I ask that because I have a client who I assume, her and the guy who I've been calling her husband, for like the past, well, I've been on him for maybe 20 years, oh, we're married. She's like, oh no, we're not married. I'm like, what? She said, no, we're not married. She's mm -hmm. not getting it. She's been married before. She said, yeah. she's not getting My ex said they're not getting married before. Hmm. But, um, and then Oprah, you know, they've been in long-term relationships. Mm -hmm. People, and I've talked to other people who said, you know, they're not getting, <laughs> they're not getting married before. Um, what do you say, Charles? Because the question, well, let me repeat the question. So is marriage an outdated concept? Is it still needed? Okay, here we go. I know I'm going to start something now. Uh -huh. Um... Humans, as far as I know, are the only animals that practice monogamy. The only ones. And the reason being is because somebody said that we should, even though it really goes against human nature to do that. Does it? Yeah, it does. That makes sense. Yeah. See? Go ahead, Carlos. Go ahead. I got you. Okay, the thing <laughs> the reason why I say that, again, I'm talking from a man's point of view. Uh, 
a woman, of course, would say that, oh, marriage is absolutely necessary. I can tell you just about every married person I know, guy has told me, don't do it. It's not worth it. Okay, and again, that's from a guy's point of view um, because it's human nature. Like, um, what's that thing? Uh, you can window shop all you want, just don't try anything on. Mm-hmm. Where a guy's always going to window shop. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who his wife is. There's, there's this saying about, um, I don't care how pretty that woman is or how nice she seems to be, there's a guy sick of her. Yeah. Okay, and that's how we are. The, the, um, like Will asked, the, the two people that have separate careers, separate bank accounts and everything, as long as they're happy with each other, why do you have to bring a state into it? Why do you have to sign a contract to be happy? That's what I don't understand. It makes zero sense. And uh, would, uh, would you get on, okay, if you had a choice, you're like, I'm going to fly to Italy. And I have this choice of uh, airlines. Well, there's one airline that 50% of their planes crash. Would you choose that airline? Of course not. So 50% of marriages end in divorce. <laughs> Am I going to go down that road also? Just because I want to say that I'm married when I'm perfectly happy with the person I'm with? I don't, I don't see. That doesn't make too much sense to me. And I know I'm going to catch it for that, but that's all right. <laughs> so we have some people who are chiming in. Let's see. We have Chris Gaines who said, Absolutely not an outdated concept. I think that the level of commitment to another human being is important to the human condition. And then she also said, but the textbook definition is no longer the same, I guess, of marriage. Mm-hmm. And then we have Ellis Crumb who said, no, not at all. There is something about absolute commitment and until death that is important to the human dynamic. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh. And I, I, I wanted to... Um, rebut, if you will, um, a little bit of what Charles said. Uh, I agree with the whole idea of the human, um, this, this idea that is this nature, you know, but, um, and, I, and I know your response is not in a direct um, response of what I'm saying. No, not at all. And, but in a direct response of that, spiritually speaking for marriage, spiritual is that we're going with the spirit and not the flesh, and which does at times mean that you're going against what is human nature, and human nature sometimes can take us down a road that we shouldn't go. Oh, really? And so, yeah. And so just because it's your, your flesh desires something doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be the thing that you give into. You know, there are ways to tame certain things, and there are ways to be, per my belief system, even be delivered from. But I, I agree that marriage... I, I, I mean, I, I say I, I stand on my same point that marriage is a a given. It's an, an amazing benefit that God created, and if that's His will for your life, then it is. Now, everyone is not meant to be married. Okay. You know. Right. Um, now we don't have time for me to exegete that, <laughs> but um, you know. I, so that's that's how I feel. Well, let it go. There's, there's one other issue I, I about that. The, the spiritual thing. Yes. I, I perfectly understand the spiritual thing. Especially when most of those guys in the Bible had more than one wife. Okay, so, again, human nature, even the Bible, even the Bible understood human nature, which was um, man, a man, probably would want more than one woman. And it's 
all throughout the Bible. So spiritually, where most people get their spiritual, <laughs> where most people get their spiritual uh, basis from, it even says that it's okay to have more than one wife. No, no, the Bible doesn't necessarily say it's, by necessarily it doesn't say that a man should have multiple wives. The Bible talks about actually in the New Testament where Jesus tells one of the disciples and he says, go get that coin out of the fish's mouth. And he says, right. you know, pay your taxes to Caesar and you right. pay, give me what's due me and give Caesar what's due him. Right. And that's to say that there are certain things, certain cultural things that are cultural norms and, and that's fine. There were certain things in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, that were cultural norms that you don't find in the New Testament. You don't find, like, um, let, we'll just use Mary and Joseph. He didn't have multiple wives. Joseph only had Mary. So, you know, it's, it wasn't an issue. It wasn't God's idea of marriage wasn't one um, husband with several wives. It was one wife and one husband. And, you, and it's, and it's uh, explicitly found in Genesis, the second chapter. And I know Coach can help me on that one. Yes. If, you know, you can also call in at 683-4405. That's 757-683-4405. Chris Gaines, I need to hear your voice. Coach yeah. Ellis. And Coach Ellis, yeah. yeah. Come on. 683-4405. That's 757. Okay, so that was a good, that was a good topic. Yeah. Um, let me ask you a question. Please. So you have a, a good friend. Not your sister. You have a good friend? Yes. You have a good friend? Yes. Okay. So let's say you're out, dinner or something like that, and you see your good friend's significant other with someone else. Obviously not a friend, somebody you know that they're, they're dating or whatever. Do you tell your friend that you think that their, their partner is cheating? He's a window shopping. <laughs> Good job, Coach. <laughs> Charles, you go first. Oh, okay, sure. Um, do I tell? Do I you tell your boy that you know I saw your girl? And... No. And the reason being is um, one: how do I know that they don't have an arrangement? Because there are married couples that have. I know married couples that have arrangements, and it's one of those that the. Let's just say this couple was very well off, and the husband is known to have girlfriends all over. It's, it's not a secret. And his wife puts up with it. Why? Because he has her in the lap of luxury. That's why. So they have an arrangement. And you don't know what really goes on behind closed doors when it comes to people's relationships. And I'm not going to go and just, I'm not going to go to someone knowing what's going to happen. And it's going to destroy their relationship, possibly destroy their relationship if that is actually the case. So if it does go south, their relationship goes south, and they find out that you did know, what's going to happen to your friendship? Well, technically, I've been in that situation before. And that uh, person who was being cheated on came to me. And asked, what did, what did I think they should do? I said, well, what I really think you should do is make sure you're doing the right thing first. And don't just take my word for it or anybody else's word for it. If it's something inside you and you just have this scary feeling, well, you need to take care of that yourself. Because I'm not going to give you information like that knowing what's going to happen afterwards. Even if I did know. And I, I, just, I just don't see a, a need to do that. It, it's it could possibly cause more harm than help. Well, you know, what I would do in a situation like that, what I think I would do, 
because it's a whole different story when it happens. Uh-huh. But I, I feel like kind of agreeing with some of the things that Charles said, um, I think the biggest thing is that you don't want to be a deflection because you don't want your exposure to be the issue more so than them dealing with their issue, mm-hmm. if there's an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I would do if I felt a need to really confront, I'll confront whoever the person is that's... The person that's doing it. I might ask them what's going on, but I don't think I would go to the person who the offense is happening to. I don't think I would go to them at all. At all. You know, if I felt the need to open my mouth, it would be for the person who I saw. Okay. All right. So we have a caller. Calling on that. Hey, Will. This is Coach. Coach! Hey, Coach. Hello, Coach. So did you hear our discussion? I'm all over it. I'm all over it. What do you say? All right, so, you know, to the gentleman's point about 50% of the people of the planes crashing, and I get that, but if they haven't done the maintenance on the plane, then of course they're going to crash. Yes, I agree with so you. The whole, the whole idea that 50% of marriages fail is largely because we don't do the maintenance, both the preventive and the redemptive maintenance, necessary for success. There is something about us being in a covenant relationship Mm -hmm. that transcends money, it transcends um, employment, it just transcends us and puts us in a whole different environment. I agree. In fact, I would tell you that marriage is not simply one person adding another person to their life. It is the two people individually creating something brand new that is a single entity that only happens in marriage. Um, I have a question for you, Coach. Uh, sure. like one of the first things we said earlier today was uh, when the show first started, it was about people changing. Now, you can get into a relationship and people start changing. And as they change, they are no longer that person that you got into the relationship with. They're someone different. So uh, I'm not going to say that I understand why people cheat. I would say, no, you need to get out of the relationship. There's no need to hurt a person, you know, uh, any further, but people do change, and they're just not who you thought they were or who you literally walked down the aisle with. Well, I can agree that, that we don't need to hurt people, and, and I, I have about to feel it's better to leave than cheat. Mm-hmm. However, comma, <laughs> I do believe that if, if she is my one, and I am her one, then as I change, she changes. And some changes will never occur in my life until I am linked up with my one. That's right. Some things will never occur in her life. She's linked up with her one. And therefore, as we change, because people will change, we are changing together. And, and the problem with individuals changing is that there are two individuals changing instead of the one single unit changing together. That's what marriage is. It's not two people going in the same direction. It's one unit going in the same direction. Okay, you lost me. This is Will. You lost me. Okay, so there are some things that in my life won't change until theirs change. You said that? What's an example? Oh, some things in your life, and I don't know, I don't know all the issues in your life. <laughs> Too many. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> but here's what I know, and here's what I believe, mm. is that there are some things in my life mm. 
that will never get fixed outside the covenant relationship. And there's somebody who God, the universe, the cosmos, nature, whatever you call it, I call him God, Mm -hmm. has designed specifically for me Mm. in order to help me be the person I'm supposed to be. Mm. Without that person, I am not uh, I am not everything that God wants me to be because I am part of a whole that isn't assembled yet. Well said. Yes. I got you. I got that. I got that. I mean, it took me 30 minutes, but that's what I was trying to say. And I think if you have that and you lose that, then things could come undone. Yes. Mm-hmm. Then the bow breaks mm-hmm. and you snap. Yep. All right. Thanks, Coach. I, I don't follow up. Hey, I, thanks, I, Will. Let's switch it to you. You too. <laughs> All right. I like Smart Man. He is. That's Coach Ellis of The Rules, the hit TV show there. The hit TV show. That's Road. right. Two locations. And we have one of the, the hosts here. Yes. You know, not to toot my own horn, but toot toot. Toot toot. Also on the okay, radio. Did you, have, did you have something you want to talk about? Yes, I do. Um, <laughs> though you plagued me, I'm still mourning um, Charlie Murphy. Um, we will fight afterwards uh, in honor of Charlie Murphy. Um, you know, I don't remember exactly what I wanted to talk about, but I knew it was about Janet Jackson. So I did this little post um, mm. that I thought was funny. Um, I made up a little song about Janet Jackson. I, control. I saw. Yeah. I saw. And, oh, you, uh, on Instagram, right? On Instagram. Yeah. On Instagram. Because she's getting divorced from her, yes, for, uh, five years. This, this would be the third marriage of hers that has dissolved mm-hmm. um, or fourth, third or fourth it's third, I think it's third but anyway the, the question that's on a lot of people's mind are being nosy, what was the reason that their, their marriage dissolved some people say it's because Janet wasn't getting rid of her baby weight um, getting it off, yeah a lot of people are saying because she's 95 pounds heavier than what she was that um, in his culture, the women are smaller, and so that, that was an issue. Some people are saying that Janet felt a certain way about his treatment of his mother that they had begun to take care of, right. mm-hmm. and she didn't like that. Mm-hmm. And then others are just saying Janet was trying to set herself up financially. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel like that would be that big of an issue because unless you're just greedy, she wasn't in a bad financial state before she, before she met him. Well, I, too, did some research. Come on. So his estimated net worth is one billion dollars. She's worth one point. No, she's worth one hundred and seventy-five million. Now, I was told that um, you know they have the prenup agreement. The prenup agreement it has to be a minimum of five years. Yes. She filed divorce. It was five years in two, two months. months. Okay, so coincidence? I think. Not. Yeah, she met that minimum. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like you were saying, mm-hmm. it was when the mom came over to stay with her. There was yeah. like, he was very cold and distant. He liked keeping her in the house, um, but pretty much just the regular treatment of how they do the Muslim women. Yeah. Um, and during the concerts, he wanted her to cover up. We saw how she was yes. more covered up and more reserved. And she said that she really just wanted her freedom back and some money. <laughs> and some money. Is, is anything wrong with that? Well, I didn't get. Oof, I didn't get nothing. Oh, um, she didn't know what she was getting into beforehand. So. No, I think she did. With, with him being she, 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 there's, there's no way that she didn't know this. I mean, yeah. I think you could think, and then you don't know. 
you don't get the, the gravity of I mean, all of it until you actually... If, if we can use our creative imaginations, you never saw Betty Shabazz out there with no with nothing on but, except for what what you know Muslim women to wear. And we all love Malcolm X, and I'm not she even... She was 156 years old. You talking about Betty Shabazz? Oh this guy, he's not even... I don't even think... He, I think he's in his 30s or 40s. Well, no, he's 42 now. So maybe she was thinking, you know, he's not as ritualistic as her back in those days. She was thinking, mean, who knows how he was during the dating phrase. He was dating, I'm dating Janet Jackson. Yeah. You know, this is who you, who I am. This is who you fell in love with. Now you want to cover everything up? Even though those cheeks, I saw those cheeks getting big a long time I just, ago. Okay, so if you all remember a report that she was going to name the boy, the, their baby boy, after Michael, right? And not Michael, after Marlon's brother, twin brother, who died at birth. Marlon, her brother Marlon, because he was born a twin. Why not her other child? Go ahead. And, um... Well, can we talk about that later? <laughs> Go ahead. About that picture? But, but anyway, then she comes up with the name that's this. Issa. Issa. Mm-hmm. I, where am I going with this? This is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Janet Jackson, I'm agreeing with my brother. Mm-hmm. I think either she drank a big old um, load of Fool Yourself Kool-Aid. Mm-hmm. I don't think anything about this man ever said that he was not true to who he was. I don't. I think that she was not, she was being stupid. I mean, there's no other way to say it. If because he was a younger guy, you know, and that, that maybe because maybe something about him was trendy, but we know the men are more flexible than the women. So I don't know why she would have been naive to believe. I'm sitting here looking at you and I'm saying, if somebody that had money like that came to speak to you and they weren't everything, if Trump came to speak to you. you I just left the show. (laughs) (laughs) Give me somebody else that I would at least entertain. (sighs) Okay, that was just a joke. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm sure she was flattered that, you know, this attractive guy. But you know what? It it goes back to what um, we've been saying on this show, what Uh we say on the rules, um, shameless plug. You've got to know yourself. And Janet talked so much about the relationship she had with Jermaine Dupree and that that was the freest she ever felt. Like he would play with her fat rolls, keep yeah, it between always, you and Jermaine. She's always suffering. Yeah, you know, and so if that was what you desired, and then that's great. But I'm saying all that to say that this looks like a person. It reminds me of Katie Holmes with Tom Cruise. You've got to know who you are. Right. Because the person that you're with, they're not the ones that's changing. You know, right. they were like this this way all the time, but now all of a sudden you can't take it anymore. Mm. I have a couple of questions because I know nothing about this. Okay. <laughs> so, first, where's the guy from? He is, I don't know why it's, Dubai was in my head, but um, It's see. overseas somewhere. We some Almana. Hmm. I don't know, and I've seen where, where he, I know they stay in London. Okay. Yeah. So somewhere around there. Okay, so he's, he's a traditional Muslim. He's a traditional Muslim. Mm-hmm. So for her not to know what traditional Islam is like is that's on her. She didn't do her background check, you know. There it is. Really. Um, and you know, I, I I really can't say that she did it for the money either. Because usually, once you get about $100 million, you know. That's what I'm not, saying. You're not trying to get 100 more million. Yeah, yeah. Because that is really nothing like a billionaire trying to floss for you. Well, that is yeah, true. Oh, I could get used to this. Yeah, but but still, she's worth 100, you say 175 million something? There's not really anything she can't afford. Right. Really. 
Um, I understand the whole thing of once you get 100 million, you want 200 and so on and so forth, but to do it that way that you want to get married to someone, mm-hmm. no, I, I can't see it. I, I just think that this is just Janet not doing her due diligence. That's what I think, exactly too. Who this guy that, was that's what Maybe I think he too. fed into her, her, her low self-esteem yeah. at that time. Yeah. But I would one thing about it is she's no longer, she'll mm-hmm. no longer be worth 175. She'll be worth 600 and 75 because she stands to get 500 million. Well, it all depends on where they got married. Is it where? Yes. No, well, what I read it was the timing. They're trying to figure out the timing. Because well, someone was saying she was married in 2012 and someone was saying she was married in 2013. So they've already, uh, they've already published the prenup? Well, Janet's already been over here and had her locks changed at Trump Towers. He can't get in. <laughs> well, because I like to know what the prenup said. Uh-huh. You know, and I'm sure it'll be released soon. Yeah, 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 they just have reports about the prenup. Because first they were saying that it wasn't that she stand get, that she was not going to get anything. Mm-hmm. Then we then they released reports that said that a prenup says yada yada yada. Mm-hmm. But um, I just I, I agree. I think Janet, you know, was real old fashioned. I think she just fell for someone without doing her research and, and really I don't even think it took much research. Right. You know I agree. <laughs> so yeah. I think that's what happened. Interesting. Very interesting. That is a family a troubled family, if you think about it. It is. You know, I, I was Yeah, because you know the nephew isn't one of the grandsons um Catherine Jackson is suing one of her nephews or something. Oh my goodness gracious. She oh, said okay. he, that's, that's, the, that's why she went over there. Oh. Yeah. He was driving for her. Yes. And then he was, like, abusing her and then taking money. And then she, I remember she was in the closet calling Janet and all yes. that stuff. Yeah. And then Reedy went Well, you there. only tell me those type of stories because you want me to laugh. That he was in the closet. Wow. <laughs> I just, I don't know why they would treat me like this. I just yes, tell them right. to call me mother. But what gets me is it was going on so long and she had all this big family. Nobody was checking on her? Please. Don't nobody ever check on the Jacksons. Reeby said, I'm just looking for a chance to get an appearance. Nobody's checking for me since Centipede. I will come over there and I will take care of little Esau. I will do it all. Wow. Reeby the only Jackson. Yes. Okay, so let's talk about this real quick. So there was these two friends that went to a casino. Um, and there was a slot machine. This guy's oh, name yes. was Jan Flato. He was playing... Um, $50 or spin machines. Um, and then he had a friend with him at one point, and he told her to push the button, just, I guess, for luck. And when she pushed the button, she struck, she won. Mm. So he was excited, the bells went off and everything, and he was excited. He thought that, you know, he had won because he was sitting there, he was playing. Well, the people who, um, the, the casino officials, they reviewed the surveillance footage, and they found out that she touched it. So because she touched it, right? It was his money, but she touched the thing that he won. She won, and she won a hundred thousand dollars, and she didn't share it with him. Well, you know, that's when you start playing that old that old Negro spiritual beat that with a bat because the officials can say whatever they want to say. She's trifling. Yeah, she just there's no way around that. So, how much would you? What do you think she should have did? Half. Um, half. Oh, Charlie Murphy. Um, I would have. <laughs> you know what? I think it depends on their friendship or lack thereof. Actually, you know. I don't, I don't think. From I read a couple stories on this. It seemed like it was somebody maybe he just met there. 
Of course, somebody's trying to impress. Yeah. Oh, then, then she was wrong. However, he was boo boo the fool. The fool. You're not touching anything. I wouldn't even thought that. He, been an issue. he had that Jerome mentality. Anything she spins, she wins. So if you picked up your little nephew, little baby, and told him to press it, and, you're, and they pressed it, they won? They won. They technically, yeah. They technically won. It goes to their mama? It goes to them. It goes to me. I think what I would do is give, I would give money. Uh-huh. Okay. No, we have a caller. Go ahead. Um, I'm doing on my half. Oh, Jesus. We need a, a screen system so that we can see the phone. Hi, caller. How are you? I'm really good. You know, sitting here at my desk. Just Are you at work? To this show. Uh-uh, don't say that out loud. <laughs> How can I help you? Just sitting at my desk. Just wondering, where is my hat? Mm-hmm. It's coming. I kept telling you, it's in the mail. What's the palimony laws in Virginia? <laughs> One-tenth of nothing. <laughs> Which is what I got. Hey, Rhonda, I just wanted to call back and say hey to you because I didn't get to speak to you last time because yes. I was rushed off. I know, and I miss you. We need I know, to spend I miss some time you too. Yeah, we, I was on the show last week, and I was hoping that you would be the co-host, but he can't handle both of us there together. You, it, it, that's what it is. It is. Sounds like you have a cold. Were you around anybody else a cold? Hello? Call me. I'm at work. You know, I can't talk to her. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thank, well, thank you, you so much so again for calling in. No, We're so changing our number in a few minutes. Thank you, though. <laughs> <laughs> have a good night. All right. Any more stories? I have, like, two more. I have a, I have yeah. a story. I like about your thing in downtown. Yeah, yeah that's what I was going to talk yeah. about. Um, my father. Okay. Let's yes. See. I, born and raised in Hampton, okay? Both sides of my family, well, from Hampton. Mostly. And I remember my dad telling me the story of downtown Hampton, how all of downtown Hampton was owned by black people prior to the elimination of segregation. And that's when everything changed. Because he said that, you know, black folks were like, well, I'm going to shop in the white folks store now because I never had the opportunity. And they completely forgot about the stores that other black people owned. And it was all downhill from there. And Technically, we still haven't really recovered, all because we are not supporting each other. Mm-hmm. And it's, it seems as though we're only supporting each other when we have no choice. Yeah. Um, that's a problem. And how do we, how do we solve that problem? Another thing, I listened to a guy on the radio this morning who was talking about reparations and how, you know, black people are on this are owed repar- reparations for, you know, slavery and stuff like that. And I'm just, I'm listening to him talk, and I'm fuming. And the reason I'm fuming is because he's saying that, well, uh, the vast majority of the problems that we have in the black community now because of what happened during slavery. You know, they broke our families up and stuff like this. And I'm thinking to myself, dude, you have no idea about history then. Because Jewish people... Even more recently, there was there were these people that were trying to eliminate them completely, but they stuck together. That's something that we don't do. And look where where as a society where they are versus where we are. And all we really should do is emulate those people because they're obviously doing it right. 
look where they are. They stick together. Was it family education is the two things that they, they push the most. You don't hear us doing that. Yeah. You know, you know that, that's, that's a great topic, um, Charles. Today, um, I actually was in a roundtable with um, Lieutenant Governor um, Ralph Northam, Congressman Bobby Scott, uh, Delegate uh, Don Hester, a couple of pastors from Norfolk, um, Hampton, and um, Delegate Marcia Price, a lot of people, and we were there um, to have a roundtable discussion to talk about things that affect our community, and um, uh, specifically how it would relate if um, Lieutenant Governor Northam, if he's elected to governor, he wants to know what issues he can help, you know. And someone brought up um, around the same thing that what you're talking about, about our community. And um, one of the biggest things that we kept, we kept coming back to is that we have lost the sense of community, black community. And part of that is we can go back. It's no problem going back and seeing where some um, things disintegrated with slavery, with some of the things. But I, I, I fear that if we keep going back to slavery, then we're not addressing the 80s, the 70s, exactly. the 60s, you know, where the community began to split. And one of the answers to a lot of the things that we were talking about on the roundtable is community involvement. And, co- and community togetherness, where we, the black dollar, if you will, if there was such a thing as a black dollar anymore, if we began to rebuild these communities from the inside out, we'll stop seeing um, downtown areas being moved uptown and midtown, and then they're becoming all of these different things. And so I think, for my personal opinion, from being in that forum today and just being obviously a black woman, we've got to stop talking about what caused what could have caused this over 400 years ago right and we've got to start looking at what can we do to first um are the cracks that are there where there are cracks can we put something in to to heal the cracks and where there the cracks have gotten too big what can we demolish and start from the ground up and start rebuilding some things and and it might mean um I, mean, I just think our, our, we're, we need new leaders in our communities. It, it's amazing that you say that because I was just about, I, I was literally thinking that as you're saying it. Um, I really hate to hear people that have all kinds of reasons but no solutions. Yes. They, they complain about how other people treat us and stuff like that. Okay, so what do you think would cause, or what do you, how do you, what can you come up with to change that? Yeah. And, you know, I, I know I, I'm going to catch it for this one, too. So, and it's not the first time. Anyone who thinks that they're not going to be thought of or looked at differently when your pants are hanging down almost to your thighs, you're out of your mind. That's right. And I don't care who you are. And you can say, well, I can dress anywhere I want. Yeah, you can dress any way that you want. But people are going to perceive you in a certain way, too. That's right. And don't be surprised when they, when they perceive you in a negative way. That's right. That's right. But mm-hmm. you can't get that. We, so get and, that through to people. And, and, and I think, um, did you have anything to say to that, Will? Well, not to that part. Just to the question in general, but you can go ahead. I was going to say, uh, just, just going even further, there's a psychological term or sociological term. 
sociological term about the self-fulfilling prophecy. And the reality is we can either live up to it or we can live down to it. You know, and so what are we willing to do in our community to live up to whom we aspire our legacy to be left, that we want people to know who we are? It's not about how everyone else is defining you, whether it's individual, whether we're talking about a culture, whether we're talking about a neighborhood. What, how do you want to be known? You know, and if you want to be known as a community, you got to start acting like a community. Exactly. You know, I, I know that I'm guilty. When I was younger, I would ride through Norfolk and I would make sure I kept locking my doors, you know, I'm, and people walk by, I want them to hear me locking the door. You know? And so when, and when I went to college, you know, I, would, I caught myself saying stuff like, oh, she's pretty for a dark skinned girl, you know, um, and, and just ridiculous, ignorant stuff like that. So what you have to do, I know for me, you have to become, look in the mirror. What am I doing that is perpetuating the stereotypes? What am I doing that's perpetuating the lack of community or the ignorance that that we've become so colloquially excited about? You know, like the N-word and all of this stuff. You know, I know a couple of words. And um, I will spell it. You want me to spell it? (laughs) And so I I know the rebirth of Rhonda. And I had to stop saying nonsense like that. And I stopped believing that kind of mess. Right. And that's what we have to do with the community. We, we have to re-evalu- reevaluate ourselves and we have to do the work. Right. Sure. So when you have first made the statement about the um, Jewish people yes. um, as well, what hit me first, and I guess I was guilty of, I was guilty of immediately stereotyping. Mm-hmm. So when I first heard you say about the, the Jewish businesses, I got the image of their own point, um, that they are, do, do have a close community. Yes. Um, that even my Jewish friends, they were taught to go to school, but they were taught to go to school so they can open up their own business. That's right. Um, we're taught to go to school so that we can get a good job or work with somebody that's else. That's right, that's right. Um, so, and then my experience with trying to support our group is that so many times we, we try to support each other and we have these insufficient businesses. We're providing um, lackluster ser- customer service. Yeah. And then a product, we normally have to hunt you down to get our product. Yeah. And then when we go to somewhere else, you know, you don't want to support the brother man. Or something yeah, like that. yeah. So we need better examples. We do need better leaders, but we do need better examples for people of how to run a successful business so that people will want to come support you. And not just our community, because we can't do it ourselves, but we want other communities to come in and support you. Yeah, that's well, right. I got another quick story. Uh-huh. So, um, in the industry that I'm, I'm in, I'm in New York and New Jersey quite a bit. Okay. So this one place I would go to in New Jersey, I've been there several times. I remember going there one day, and they had to perform some work for me while I waited. I was there for four hours. Now, this is a Jewish-owned business. They had um, a lot of Mexicans and Central Americans working for them. And I remember the owner coming up to me and saying, why are you still here? I said, well, it's just taking these guys a long time for some reason. He went over to them. Now, mind you, this owner is probably his late 70s, and it's run by him and his two sons and his nephew. And he told all of his workers, go home. Just get out of here. And he got on the radio, and he called his two sons and his nephew, and they came and finished the work. Okay? So the next time I went back, and I remember I'm outside about to walk in the door, and uh, the nephew came up to me. Now, he, what he said to me, I could have taken it two different ways. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness I took the road that I, that I took. He said, you know, he said, just like this, it's just going to sound weird. I'm going to give you a warning. He said, you know, you speak very well. Oh, okay. And I said to him, thank you. Now, I could have said, oh, what, black man can't speak well? No, I'm not going down that road. And I said to him, 
If my people had half the work ethic as your people, we'd be a lot further along than we are. And that was based on my prior experience at that place. You know, if there's something wrong and uh, their customer, like you were talking about customer service, and their customer is not getting what they want, they will go above and beyond to get it done. That's right. Why well, I can't, I, I don't for life, I can't understand why we don't do the same thing. Because you, you keep customers that way. You can have a lot of people. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> and quick for, to ask for um, right. a hookup. Oh, gosh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Don't get me started. <laughs> we'll hook up with the hookup. Okay. So we have a few more minutes, though. So I want you to tell me about your event that you have coming up, Chris. I mean, that's all right. Don't worry. It happens all the time. I'm actually called today. My bad, Charles. It's all right. Go ahead. Uh, June the 4th, we're having a fashion show in Hampton. Uh, it's called Genesis. And the reason we're calling Genesis is because it's going to be a new beginning in fashion shows in Virginia. And um, my partner and I, Kevin Higgins, we travel to New York several times a year. Yes. We travel to New York several times a year, and we shoot these high-end fashion shows. And now it's to the point where the fashion shows are asking us to come and help promote and stuff like that. And we started to learn what goes on at the fashion show. And come to find out, it wasn't a whole lot. It was making sure you have a venue, models, hair, makeup, and designers. And you promote the show. Well... Some people that promote shows, they want to have catering and dancers and singers and stuff like that that you still have to pay, but that's not why the people are there. The people are there to see clothing. So we're literally, we're, we're focusing on what makes a fashion show a real fashion show. But also we're in, uh, we're in partnership with the Alzheimer's Association, so we're not trying to make any money off of this. We just want to provide Hampton Roads with a, a high-end quality show. Amen. And all the proceeds that, uh, that we get, we're donating to the, uh, to the Southeastern um, Hampton Roads uh, chapter of the Alzheimer's Society, uh, Association. And um, several of us have had you know, family members that were affected uh, by Alzheimer's. I have a couple of friends who right now uh, either have a parent or a grandparent or something like that that's uh, being affected by it. So yeah. it, it's something, like I said, we're not trying to make any money off of this. We just want to give people a good show and then go ahead and donate all the proceeds to help a really, really good cause. Yes. Oh, by the way, um, you can find any information you want on <clears throat> excuse me, therunwayauthority.com, and uh, everything you need to know is up there, um, donations. Uh, we take everything. <laughs> Nickels and dimes is fine with us. That's right. So, again, it's all except going for EBT. Y'all don't except for you know we can't. <laughs> like I said, it's all going to a really, really good cause. And what's the date and the location again? It's uh, June fourth in Hampton, Hampton, Virginia, downtown Hampton, at the old uh, they call it the historic post office. Okay. What's that? Uh, from six to nine uh, at Sunday. Okay. You already have your models and everything. Oh yes, we have. So uh, well. One of the things about the models, and I guess this is the first time people are actually hearing this, we get messages almost every day. Hey, when are you having your model call? Do you need help with this? Because Kevin and I have been fashion photographers, or at least photographers in the area, we know the models in the area. We know who can walk, because that's another thing people fail to realize. Just because someone's pretty doesn't mean they look good and can walk in clothing. That's, That's always been, been my problem. problem. <laughs> <laughs> I can't walk. So we chose industry standard models, which are about at least 5'10 and above and so on and so forth, to walk in these clothes because we want design, uh, fashion shows are designer-driven. 
the designers are the ones that get all the benefit from a fashion show. So we're making sure that they get all the benefits that they expect from a fashion show. We want people outside this area to see what we can do here. Um, and we're going we're gonna to do it. All right. Well, Rhonda, what you have coming up? Anything? Yes, I have um, two things coming up. Um, one thing, as they say in church, this is the part where we all can give. <laughs> My daughter is part of the East End Flyers Track Club, and I am shamelessly putting it out there that we are fundraising for, uh, we have raffle tickets, and anyone who is hearing my voice, who is following us, you can get a raffle ticket from me. They are just $5. And if you win first prize is an Xbox One, maybe that doesn't do it for you. Uh, second prize, Hampton uh, Jazz Festival tickets, two. Um, and if that doesn't do it for you, uh, the third prize is a $75 gift card. So really good prizes for just $5. And the winner will be announced on April the 29th. And that's, again, for the East End Flyers Track Club. These are for our youth who are running track, and my daughter is one of them. And so hit me up and get a raffle ticket. And then the second thing is I tell you all a lot about that I do comedy and I speak and all these things. And so I thought I would tell you about a time that I will be speaking soon. So at my church, um, it's uh, not an official event, if you will. Well, it's official at the church. Our ministers and training are learning, um, developing their, their preaching pattern, if you will. And so our pastor has encouraged all of them, as, uh, um, as well as the ordained and licensed ministers, that we will all be preaching a seven-minute sermon. And it will be on the 23rd of this month, so it will be the 4th. Not this Sunday, but next Sunday at 3 o'clock at Second Baptist Church, East End, 3 o'clock. You can come see me preach on something for seven minutes. Ooh. And so um, it'll be exciting. Um, oh, man. I'm excited for you. And um, that's in Newport News. And you can look it up, Second Baptist Church, East End. And again, like I said uh, earlier with the podcast, my sister and I are developing um, our podcast, um, The Twins, talking about whatever and doing it up. Excellent. Nikki, you got anything coming up? Nothing she can talk about. Nothing she can talk about. Okay. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break so that I can clear my nose, and then we'll be right back. I have one more topic, and then we're going to go home. Okay. All right. So you're listening to Let's Face It. We'll be right back. You've been listening to Let's Face It. We'll be right back. It's 6.42 p.m. Time for Steve Plato and his son Dylan to do the dishes. They talk about everything from the yuckiness of girls to the awesomeness of his soccer team. Sometimes they don't talk at all. Then, the dreaded splash fight. It's dad o'clock, and it's the best time of the day. Because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Okay, forest animals, today is a new day. Kids are coming to the forest, and it's up to us to make their visit a good one. Sparrow. Yes? Have you practiced the most popular bird songs for the year? Of course. Catchy. I like it. 
Okay, okay river, river, dude. How's the temperature? It's a refreshing 52 degrees, man. Perfect for a little riverside shoeless relaxation. Ah, good. Owl, you hear me? I am. Look, you know the drill. Sleep during the day, scare the kids at night. Perfect. I love my job. Uh, oak tree? Still in the same place I left you last year. That's what I like. Consistency. Well, it's not like I'm going anywhere for the next couple hundred years. I know. I love it. Uh, turtle. Turtle. He's not here yet, man. Uh, he's late every morning. You'd think he would have learned by now to leave the night before our meetings. Okay. Squirrel, has anybody seen Mr. Squirrel? The forest has been preparing just for you. Visit a forest near you today. To learn more about cool things to do in the forest, visit discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. When I was little, I didn't talk for a long time. I was sensitive to lights and sounds, so I built secret hiding places where they couldn't get in. Sometimes, I did the same things over and over, until one day, I found out I had autism. My family got me help. Slowly, I learned how to live with it better. Early intervention can make a lifetime of difference. Learn the signs at autismspeaks.org signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Sparky the Fire Dog here. Make sure your family has a fire escape plan, and they practice it twice a year. One important thing to practice is get low and go. If you see or smell smoke, it's important to get low and go. Protect your family from fire. For more information, visit sparky.org. We want to keep you, your family, and your community safer from fire. This message brought to you by the National Fire Protection Association and your local fire department. Visit sparky.org. Adopt U.S. Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. Your daughter just had her first breakup. Do you A, put yourself in her shoes? How could he do this to you? And for Sheila, she she has split ends. B, console her. Oh, sweetie, this is going to happen a lot. Four, maybe five more times before you get married. C, take charge. Got to get this all straightened out. Keep a little talking to, man to man, mano a mano. Hey, Steve. Is now a good time? Nope. Okay, no problem. Bye. Or D, help her find a new boyfriend. I know a great place to meet boys. The internet. Nice, single, boys. Never mind. How about some ice cream? As a parent, there are no perfect answers. But you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. You are now listening to Let's Face It Now back to the show. Welcome back. We're in our last few minutes. Rhonda and Charles. Family reunion. You know when you find somebody, you know there's a connection. Yay! Well, I'm sure you saw it. You didn't hear it, but yeah, they, they, they know each other. Wow. Yeah. Anything you want to share or anything like that? Anything? It's just been a long, yes. long, long, long time. Charles knew me when I was a little girl. Yeah. He was like a teenager. Yeah. Wait a minute. When you was a little girl? Yeah. yeah. For real. Really? I, I've known her brother since, I mean, for 30 years. Yeah. Literally. Wow. Yeah, we, we, we met in seventh grade. It is the craziest thing. And um, a couple of our friends were just talking about him today. And it, that is, I mean, the, the world does, it, it keeps getting smaller and smaller yeah. and smaller. You know? Wow. Wow. Okay. <laughs> well, glad y'all know each other. You smiling? Yeah. I am because my brother, if you knew my brother Michael, it's yeah. always nice to know great people that he's connected to. Yeah, you. right, right. Yeah. Well, that's good. Sometimes, you know. Okay. Oh, that's nice. Well, we have yes. one more topic. I think wow. we'll get into. I'm just so 
That's cool. Yeah. Okay, okay so, so Nick and what is this? Nick Cannon and Mariah Carey. Oh. So Mariah Carey, after the breakup with the billionaire guy, she got with one of her dancers. His name is Brian Tanaka or whatever. So they dated for a while. Um, he was really treating him well. So they would go on, you know, vacation. She would pay for every, everything, of course. But one thing that happened was Nick is really current. He's still present in the life because they have kids together. That's right. So they would still take vacations together. They, um, I think the thing that really threw this boyfriend off was recently they had the Nickelodeon's Kids' Choice Awards. And they were all dressed alike. And they were all dressed alike. So he felt like he was disrespected. So, you know, and then um, I guess people were whispering to Mariah saying, you know, well, he's acting like this and, you know, you're treating him to all these clothes and trips and blah, 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 blah. So she ended the relationship. So I want to know, do you think it's wrong that, you know, even though it's her ex, that Nick is still coming around and they're still doing that? You don't think she should respect her boyfriend a little bit more? Well, you know, piggybacking on something that Charles said um, earlier, you, everybody has their own unique relationship. Uh-huh. And Mariah Carey and Nick Cannon have a very unique, we're going to use that word. Unique, yes. Unique, uh-huh. you know, relationship. And homeboy, I think, in the words of my grandmother, began to smell himself and was getting, he, he came out of his lane, you know, because for all intensive purposes, I, I say this, they, they probably, probably have, have just, just um, an, an awkward, uh, we'll say awkward, whatever, but co-parenting relationship. And I think a lot of the things they do is because of what they believe is a benefit to their children. Now, I, I think Homeboy, it goes like we were saying, he acts like he didn't know what he was getting into when he, when he was dating Mariah. And then Mariah needs to stop um, boy toying. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Yeah. But, yeah, and showboating, you know, she, she needs to grow up. And so. But I would say that it doesn't help the relationship to have everyone dressed alike except yeah. for him. Yeah. You know, you, you, don't, you don't do that. And I understand the cold parenting thing. You have to, but that's really taking it to the extreme. And I would kind of understand why he would start to feel, I mean, lack of better words, insecure. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, he's kind of owed that. And she should have said, you know, look, this is what's going to happen. You know, uh, even had him dress alike, you know, uh, like them. But, I don't think he came. I don't think he was invited. Yeah, I don't think oh, well, that's, that makes it even worse. Yeah, you know, he won't even invite him. So, but there's one other thing. Um, she's paying the bills, so he should just go along for the ride. Right. You know? <laughs> As my mother used to say, Jesse James is robbing this train, you're just along for the ride. Right, okay, so. right. On Instagram, we have a comment here. Um, Bad girl comedy says a boy toy is necessary sometimes. It is necessary. But she needs to put, but she needs to make sure her boy toys are in the right category because boy toy must have thought that he was playing with Dr. Stuffins and he came alive. You are a toy. He, yes. You need to go back stuffed. Yeah, he didn't have, any yeah, he didn't no. have a position. He wasn't even on the bench. He was the one that came to oh, visit wow. the game. He was on, he was on the practice squad. He was, he was outside the fence. He was outside the fence looking. <laughs> <laughs> Hoping he could catch a ball. So, we have like two minutes left. I want to ask each of you two questions. Okay. Sure. So, the first question I'm going to ask you is, what has life... And the, you and I had a good conversation last week, I believe. So, 
What has life taught you lately, recently? Oh, man. Um, life has taught me recently flexibility. Um, taught me flexibility and to... That's what I'm looking for. It taught me flexibility, yeah. Because so many things are... Some things just don't stay the same. And you've got to be willing to move with it and not get stuck. Ooh, that's good. So. That's tweetable. That's tweetable. Okay. Okay. Quote me on that. This is an easy one. Okay. If it doesn't make you money or make you happy, let it go. Ooh. Yep, simple that's as that. That's tweetable. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. If it doesn't one. make you money Adam or make you happy, let it go. I can't. I can't. If it doesn't make you money or make you happy, let it go. go. Yeah. That's, that's about it. Let me think. I'm trying to think of it. Let it go. All right, let me see here. Uh, the next one is, because I know you very well, getting to know you, what impact, other than making people laugh, do you want to leave on the world? The impact that I Because I'm seeing you go into a certain direction. I don't know if it's just, um, if everybody watching your life is, is seeing the same thing, but what impact do you want to leave on the world? Oh, man. I, give me a second. Go ahead, Charles, and I go. Um, I have a 17-year-old son, and one of the things that I've taught him is uh, believe me or trust me, but question everything that I say to you. If, if it doesn't add up or doesn't seem right, question me. And if I can't explain it to you, then maybe I need to change it my opinion and um, that is the one thing I like to leave the world question everything if it doesn't add up don't take don't take everything uh, was it, was it whole cloth is that the, the, the term she's good with those you know, <laughs> what is it whole cloth don't I don't take, know that one. okay well <laughs> anyway don't, don't, don't take everything at face value yeah. just okay. go ahead and question it because you may, may learn something mm -hmm. you may learn something yeah, something, something you never even thought about. What about you, Nikki? Um, what was the question again? I'm sorry. <laughs> the impact. Yeah. Oh, the impact. Um, that if I ever met you or know of you or had any type of interaction with you that you're better off meeting me. Hmm. That I made some type of difference in your life. You know what that is? What my Angelou said, that's your legacy. Yes. That's your legacy. That's your legacy. Wow. Well, I think I would say that the impact that I would like to leave with people is that those who came under the sound of my voice mm -hmm. and within my presence, that uh, similar to what Nikki said, but that it inspired them to want to do more for someone else more than they did for themselves. Mm -hmm. And, and, and then the second thing would understand the value of reciprocity. Hmm. Yes. You know, so those would be the legacy that I would hope that I could leave, that we, the, the lack of selfishness. So that would probably be the legacy, the impact that I would like to have, hmm. I would say. Me? My, oh my God, I will cry. You got out of answering two questions, my, by the way. Mine is, um, my whole thing that I've always talked about is just overcoming. Like I said, my whole, even with the series, this whole season, it's only maybe like a tenth of everything that I've shared. 
Yeah. I would need like three more seasons. But after everything is seen, I hope the right people are touched and that they get the message that I want to share that there's hope. Amen. There's still hope. And that you can overcome, there's redemption, there's second chances, and you can still make it. That's good. That's yeah, good. So that's, that's, that's the legacy and that I want to leave. What? To be the best encourager that you can be. That's right. When someone called me that, they said, you're the best encourager I've ever met. I never considered myself as an encourager. It's mm-hmm. just what I do. And when she was standing in the middle of, a, of, of this big auditorium, we were at the um, Chesapeake Conference Center. And I forgot there were hundreds of other people around us. But by the time I got through pouring into her, she was standing there in tears. And that's when she told me, you are the biggest encourager I've ever met. I'm, wow. like, I'm just speaking mm-hmm. my truth. I, I, you know that. No, I, I, I don't see myself as that. I just tell you what I think you should know. That's what right. I see in you. I With authority. God. I have this gift. Like, I can see yeah. what you can't see. Yeah. You so can. You can. can. Yeah. I've been a witness of it. And then if you don't listen to me, then you got a problem. Yes. I'm a witness of that okay, today. Okay, okay. We're going to sign off. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you both for coming on the show, Rhonda. Um, like I said, next week is the last show. Not sure where my next home is. It may be here or, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I really want to go on TV. That's my prayer. That's what I want to do next. I got you. Charles, thank you, man, for coming on. Well, thank you not for having the, me. Not the last time you'll be um, on the show. I would hope not. Yes, it was exactly. great. You were great. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. So everyone else, make sure you tune in next week for our last show for this season. Uh, so we're not going to really make it this season to our 150 show. So it'll be one, I think, 48. Oh, man. 148 episodes. But, yeah, we'll, we'll still celebrate it. Until next week, everybody, be blessed. Thank you for listening to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. Please be sure to visit us on the web at letsfaceitradio.com and at Let's Face It Radio on Facebook for the latest in show information and exciting, innovating ways that you can be a part of the show. So tune in next week, same place, same time, for real people, real topics, real talk. Let's Face It. Macy's Backstage has everything to help you get a fresh start, including active gear from brands you love. Reebok, Fila, K-Swiss, and more. Hurry in and find the best booties of the season, starting at $19.99. And pamper yourself. Bring the spa home with fragrant candles, aroma diffusers, even salt lamps, starting at just $5.99. Best of all, look for incredible markdowns in every department all month long. Macy's Backstage, off-price, on-trend, arriving daily. Find your store at macysbackstage.com. What's in store for your business this week at Staples? 
Cases and cases of confidence. Staples can help give you the confidence that your business is ready for the year ahead with all the supplies you need. Like paper. And right now, when you buy a 10-ream case of Staples multipurpose paper, you get one free. So you can be confident you're ready for whatever business comes your way. Buy one case of Staples multipurpose paper, get one free. Now at Staples, where there's a whole lot in store. In-store only, limit 10. Valid through 1519. 